0: The title of what I'm sharing with you this morning is the book of 1 Peter. We're busy with a sermon series, and today this is part four in our sermon series. It's uh, one that I'm enjoying going through. I trust that you're also enjoying going through the book of 1 Peter. We said at the beginning of the year that we sensed that God was saying that this would be a year of growth and blessing. And I believe that this is one of the ways in which the Lord is causing us to grow by getting into his word in a real quality way. So let's get straight into our Bible reading for today. We're looking at 1 Peter chapter two, and today we will look at the second half of 1 Peter chapter two. So I'm reading from the New King James Version. Here goes. Therefore, submit Yourselves to every ordinance of men for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. And then verse 17 is quite a powerful one. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Almost sounds like a line from a movie. Honor all people, love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the king, coming this fall. (laughs) It's like a statement. Verse 18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it to you when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, for to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins, bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And we say the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. amen. Can I get a louder amen? Amen. Amen. Please keep this passage open during the time of our sharing. Now, let's be honest for a moment. This is not an easy passage. It's not an easy passage, and and I'm just saying, Lord, give us your understanding on this passage, because this is the Word of God. When I was thinking about preparing for this and starting to get into my preparation, I realized the magnitude of what we're dealing with and how this is perhaps a sensitive area. And so I was saying, oh God, would you help me to communicate your heart? I want your heart on the matter. And so I'm trusting that God is gonna do exactly that today. There are four things that I'd like to share with you out of this passage. Point number one, listen carefully. Respect the authority of every human institution. We wanna learn about the Bible, don't we? And the book of First Peter is actually saying this, respect the authority of every human institution. Now, let's look at verse 13 and 14 to back it up. It says, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. For the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So it's pretty clear. It's unmistakable. It says, submit to every ordinance of man. Ordinance can also be translated institution. Submit to every institution of man. The NLT translation renders it as follows. It says, for the Lord's sake, respect human authority. Respect all human authority. So what are we learning? It means that we need to recognize the authorities. We need to accept the authorities. And we need to submit to every human institution. And this we do. Why? We do this in order to honor God because God calls for it. And so I'd like to say in terms of this whole aspect of respect the authority of every human institution, I want to tell you this is the holy word of God. Will you esteem the word of God? Even when you might feel a little uncomfortable, it it might work against your flesh a little bit, will you still esteem the word of God? I believe this is a church that says yes. Absolutely. And so it's clear, respect the authority of every human institution. Now, furthermore, let's take this a step further. We need to show respect not only to good rulers, but even to wicked rulers. That's where the rubber bites the toe. This is what Peter was actually bringing across. Now, when Peter was instructing the believers that he was writing to in all these Roman provinces to submit to authority, he was actually alluding to the evil emperor Nero, who was on the throne at that time. We know that Nero was the supreme leader over the whole of the Roman uh, Empire and all those Roman provinces in that section and included in that section under Nero was these very areas in which the people reading Peter's letter were living. It's, It's very clear. Peter had Nero in mind when he was talking about submission. But how can this be? Because Nero, I mean, he was a cruel leader, extremely cruel. He was a tyrant. Do you know that Peter himself would later be put to death under Nero's persecution? And yet, Peter called for submission. And when he was calling for submission, it wasn't his own good idea, but he was speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He was speaking under the power of the Spirit of God, and this became scripture. So this is God's plan, and this is what God was communicating. Now, you might be tempted to say, well, you know what? I'll submit to government as long as they do a good job. (laughs) But you see, God calls for a continued type of submission, not a pick and choose, pick and choose, no, no, no. They're doing a bad job, charging too many taxes. and No, no, no. God calls for a continued type of submission. Also, to make it clear, at no point was Peter calling upon these believers to compromise their consciences and compromise what they believed in terms of the Word of God. Because it is true that they could live for God and honor the King. Generally speaking, do you realize that it is quite possible for us to practice our Christianity and abide by the laws of the land. Most of the time, that is entirely possible. Something else we need to realize when we talk about respecting human authority is the following. Human governments are instituted by God. That's what the Word says. The Word also tells us that human rulers are actually God's servants. Are you serious? They're God's Yeah, they're God's servants. You don't need to turn there. I'll read to you. Romans 13, verse 1 and 4 from the NIV, it says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Jumping to verse 4. For the one in authority is God's servant. Really? Really? The one in authority is God's servant? Yes, God's servant for your good. So even if presidents and prime ministers are unbelievers, they are still placed there by God and they are established by God. That is what the Bible tells us. One of the things I was thinking about in terms of all of this is Why is government really necessary? Why are the authorities necessary? And why does God give authority to human governments? Why does He establish them? Because essentially, they are meant to bring order and stability into society and they are meant to avert chaos. Can you just imagine a society where there's no government, no laws, no control? What would that be? Complete anarchy. It would be crazy. People just take your stuff and ah, just be a mess in all society. Let me read something to you. It is probably better to live under a dictator than under no rule at all. The complete absence of rule is anarchy, and no society can function under anarchy. So, some form of government is better than no government at all. Order is better than chaos. And consider actually the task that government has. It's a major task. Here, they have to try to bring order and stability, but yet at the same time, they are uh, involved in a world which is full of brokenness, brokenness in humanity, brokenness in leaders, and yet they are meant to now bring order in society. And so that makes me realize, well, there is no such thing as a perfect government, But I want to tell you that there is a government coming that will be perfectly righteous. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Praise God that the ultimate government is coming. But while we are here on earth, there's no perfect government. And that's why it is so critical that we would pray for our government. I believe South Africa even although we're facing very real challenges at this point in time. If it was not for the church, South Africa would be in a terrible state right now. But the church has been praying. The church continues to pray. This church and so many thousands of church across the nation. And it is God's restraining power that, that stops that evil just runs rampant across our country. The role we play in society is so key, and it says in 1 Timothy 2 verse 2, pray, everybody say pray. pray, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. By the way, Christians are actually a huge blessing to society. <laughs> Maybe it's because we tend to be submissive by nature because of whose we are, and because who, of who our example is. I think most of the governments in the world don't realize how wonderful it is to have Bible-believing Christians in their nation. We make a massive difference across the world as believers in Jesus Christ because of whose we are. Number one, respect the authority of every human institution. This is what the will of the Lord is. Number two, our submission and godly living will glorify God and silence our accusers. Please say this out loud with me. Our submission and godly living will glorify God and silence our accusers. And this is backed up from verse 15 in our passage, which you can look at. I'm reading it from the NLT. It says, it is God's will that your honorable lives, here it comes up again, last Sunday, honorable lives came up. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. And when Peter is here speaking about honorable lives and speaking about doing good, he is actually talking about submission. The whole context of what we're reading here is about submission. So let it be clear. And one of the big takeaways that I think of in terms of all of this is that our submission is a massive testimony to the world. Our humble submission to God and also to government is a massive testimony. It speaks so loud. It speaks so powerfully. Do you realize it speaks powerfully? And that's one of the reasons why God calls for submission, because of the power of our testimony through a submitted life to what God has established. You know what? Our submission, it shows Christ-likeness. It tells the world that we have a faith that is real. It tells the world that we have a hope that is real. And that hope is beyond the here and now in this earth. It also tells the world that we've got something that they desperately need. Our submission speaks powerfully. Why don't you tell the person next to you, your submission speaks powerfully. Tell them that. It does. Now, listen to this statement. I came across this by a man called Leslie T. Lyle. He was a missionary in China. No doubt, he, from 1905, he was born and so on. He was a missionary in China. No doubt, he discovered a hostile environment that he was in, in terms of towards the gospel. But listen to what he says after he learned so much through living submitted in that hostile environment, he said, the ultimate Christian answer to persecution, detractors, and critics is that of a blameless life. Conduct beyond reproach and good citizenship. Now listen to this. In particular, submission is a supremely Christ-like virtue. That is why it's so important. I want to say that again. Submission is a supremely Christ-like virtue. I want to say to you that you can't have somebody who is a good Christian and a bad citizen. That doesn't work. But when we uh, when we are submitted to God, we will be good citizens in our nation. And so, child of God, realize that our submission speaks powerfully to the world and it glorifies God. Now, point number three. Have you got your safety belt on for this one? Here we go. There may be exceptions where obedience to human authority is not required. Now, don't get nervous in the service. There's no danger in the manger. But I'll back this up from Scripture. There may be exceptions where obedience to human authority is not required. You see, let me tell you, If the government instructs you to act in violation of the Word of God, then you do not obey government. You have to know that. If it's a blatant violation of the Word of God, you have to rather obey God. And in such a case, you have a higher responsibility to a higher authority, and that is to obey God rather than men. Can I get an amen? In Acts 5, verse 29, Peter Tells us something very interesting where it says, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The context was that they had been called in by the authorities. The authorities said, You need to stop preaching in Jesus' name. And they whipped them and sent them away. But you know, these apostles, they just couldn't. They had been so transformed that they could not adhere to that command. I also find it interesting that this same Peter who's instructing us in 1 Peter chapter two that we must submit to human authority also understood that there comes a time where we do not obey because we are obeying a higher authority. We are obeying God instead, amen? It's the same Peter (laughs) that has been referred to in both situations. Very interesting. But having said that, We also need to realize that if, listen, if punishment is meted out for disobedience to government, then we need to be willing to bear it in humility. We should never rebel or try to overthrow government. And yes, we can work towards change of government, but we can never rebel and try to overthrow government. Now, here's an example of obeying God rather than man. If I ask you this, smuggling Bibles into a closed country that is closed with regard to the gospel of Jesus Christ, how do you feel about that? Do you realize that technically it is actually breaking the law? But it is obeying a higher law, which is the command to go into all the world. God said we can go into all the world and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's obeying God when you do that. I remember years ago, my dad gave me a book called uh, God's Bible Smuggler by Brother Andrew. Any of you ever read that book? And I read it and I thought, this is amazing. And sometimes the Bibles were in plain sight in the back of his VW Beetle, and God just closed the eyes of the the gods at the border crossing, and he just went in and took Bibles, and I say, praise God for Brother Andrew who obeyed the higher authority and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those believers will be in heaven one day rejoicing. And so there are times where we obey God rather than men. Let me give you some other examples of where God allowed disobedience to authority. The one was in Exodus. In Exodus... Pharaoh was in charge. And Pharaoh called in the Hebrew midwives. The midwives would help to deliver the Hebrew babies. And Pharaoh instructed, he said, when the child comes out, look at the gender of the child. If it is a boy, kill it. If it is a girl, you can let the child live. Goodness me. Now that's Pharaoh, a strong, powerful ruler. In the world at that time, perhaps one of the strongest, and he gives that instruction. What were the Hebrew midwives to do? Well, it says in Exodus 1 verse 17, it says, But the midwives feared God, say feared God, and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them to do, but they let the male children live. Praise God. They refused to obey the king, and ultimately they were submitting to a higher power to God himself. Another example is what took place in Babylon. King Darius, he signed a decree, and some of the people around about him suggested this big idea, and they said, listen, king, why don't you sign this decree that for the next 30 days, people can only pray to you, King Darius, and they can only worship you, and the king was feeling quite puffed up, and and he decided to sign that decree. And it also instructed that anyone who disobeyed would be thrown into the lion's den. And in the context of all of that, what did Daniel do? Daniel still prayed faithfully to the Lord God. Let me read it to you. Daniel 6 verse 10 in the NLT. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed. Now that's very important. It wasn't like, is this law in or isn't it in? When he learned that the law had been signed, he went down, sorry, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with the windows open facing toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. What a man of character. He refused to obey the wicked decree, the foolish decree of King Darius. But as a result, he had to face the lion's den and he submitted himself to that because he recognized that authority is established by God. And so he submitted himself to the lion's den. He didn't run away. He didn't rebel rebel against it. No, he trusted God and the amazing thing is God delivered him from the mouths of the lions. He shut the mouths of the lions. And God, I don't know what Daniel was doing down there, but he seemed to not have a bad time. And he came out the next day. And then those who had tried to get him into the lion's den, they were thrown in. And before they even hit the ground, they were eaten by lions. Scary stuff in the Bible, I tell you. But Daniel honored God. He feared God more than government. I want to ask you, do you fear God Or do you fear government? We should fear God more than we fear government because He is the great I Am. Is anybody getting something out of this message today? Amen. Now, let me also just tell you this. There are other examples. I don't have time to go into them at length, but just briefly to mention the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is another example. They refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. When the music played, everyone had to bow down. They refused to bow down, and they chose, and they said, we will worship the one and true living God. Another example, one last one, is Moses' parents. They were people of faith. They are listed in the hall of faith in Hebrews. And what did they do? They hid Moses for a period of three months in order to save Moses' life. In so doing, they were disobeying Pharaoh, but they were honoring the king of all kings. Hallelujah. Praise God for these biblical examples. And when I think of all of this, I think this, that as we approach the last days, there might be more situations that Christians begin to face where we have to choose to obey God rather than men. I want to tell you, folks, it is coming, it is coming in the end days. But in all of that, may God give us wisdom to navigate those times because we don't want to act as foolish and brash. No, we want to act wisely in those times. And may Lord help us to honor Him in all we do. Amen. Now, before I go on to my fourth point, let me just recap. Number one, respect the authority of every human institution. Number two, our submission and godly living will glorify God and silence our accusers. Number three, there may be exceptions where obedience to human authority is not required. Point number four. Respect the authority of the person to whom you report. (laughs) Please say that with me. Respect the authority of the person to whom you report. It says in verse 18 and 19, is your Bible still open? Look at verse 18 and 19. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. You say, John, why did you have to bring up the scripture today? I've got a boss, a boss which is, he, he or she is quite harsh to me. Uh, I'm sorry, but I have to not just preach the nice stuff in the Bible. We have to faithfully declare the whole counsel of God. Can I have some support on this? Amen. And then, verse 19, it says, For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, Suffering wrongfully. And so there is a very similar idea that is coming across here to the submission to government. But what's coming across here is just submission to lower levels of authority, which is submission to masters, or commonly put in today's language, those to whom we report to. And so what is Scripture saying? Scripture is directing us to accept. Everybody say accept. The authority of our masters, we need to show proper respect and cooperate. When you are digging in your heels and being difficult and not cooperating with your supervisor or your manager or, or your boss, it is actually not honoring to God. Ouch, but it's real. God expects us that we will show proper respect and that we will, as far as possible, endeavor to cooperate. And the context here is quite interesting. You see, many of these early believers, do you know that they were household servants? I discovered when preparing for today that a lot of the early church were actually low-class people and middle-class people. Initially, that's where the gospel seemed to spread rapidly. And so a number of the people that Peter was writing to, these were household servants. And these people probably worked hard hours They worked hard, they worked long hours, and they were attending to the needs of their master. They probably didn't have much time off. It was a tough job, and especially so if you had a harsh boss that you were working for. But here's the big idea. Simply serve well and endeavor to show respect. In terms of the situation with whom you may be working for, I wanna say to you today, simply serve well and endeavor to show respect. You know, it's easy to submit to a boss who is considerate and kind and understanding and gentle, but Peter encourages us to be respectful even in the face of unjust treatment. Because you know what, when we are uh, respectful, even in those situations where we're not being dealt with correctly, actually what is happening is our Christian testimony is speaking loud and clear. And sometimes to the unsaved, it doesn't make sense But our testimony is speaking loud and clear. And it says in Matthew 5, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I just wanna say this for a moment, and it's, and it's this. You might be sitting in a job where you are being abused. Do not stay there. Because I believe that God is talking about, you know, some people, a boss that's a bit harsh and difficult and so on. And, and, but there comes a time when you realize that this is destroying my soul. I have to resign and I have to get up. And you need to understand that. But you know what? Sometimes when it hasn't gotten that bad and we're working under somebody who's a little bit harsh, it could be the very hand of God fashioning you in what you're going through. I believe that there are some people, Christians, who've left a job prematurely. God was still working in your character in a beautiful way, but you jumped out of the ship and you said, no ways. I won't take this. I've got rights. But God said that you can endure in situations, even when you are suffering wrongfully. But there is a time when you say, I'm out of here. This is a toxic situation. And I get it. I respect that. I remember being treated myself wrongly by a church leader years ago who was my boss. He was my leader at the time. And a friend said to me when when I was sharing what I was going through, this friend said to me, Don't take it lying down. Sort it out, man. Talk to the oak and give him a piece of your mind. And in my flesh, I must tell you, I wanted to actually do that. But somehow, the still small voice of God was not allowing me to do that. And I felt not to retaliate. I actually sensed that God was working in my character for a time that was yet to come. And so I didn't retaliate. And turns out I was actually obeying 1 Peter 2 verse 19, which says, but this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Wow. And I do realize that it can be so hard when we are suffering wrongfully and we wanna react, we wanna give that person a piece of our mind, we wanna let down their tires in the parking lot, but that seldom produces good results. Come on, am I being real? Seldom produces good results. Now let me say this, I'm drawing to a close. Jesus' example is incredible, It is astounding of how he endured hostility from sinners. And I wanna say that we need to make sure that we are following Jesus' example because when we are submitted, we are showing this supremely Christ-like virtue. And listen to what Jesus did. And by the way, I also just wanna say this. So, It says in Isaiah, it says that when Jesus was going through all of this and he was being led like a lamb to the slaughter, it says, he did not open up his mouth. Now, that is so different to what we experience today. I mean, social media encourages you to spew out every kind of thought that you have about any kind of article that's there. (laughs) But believers is a different standard. Jesus didn't even open his mouth when he was insulted. Listen to this in verse 23 in the NLT. I'm drawing to a close. It says, Jesus did not retaliate. Say that with me. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. May I remind you that? Vengeance belongs to God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so I wanna encourage you folks, would you follow Jesus' example in terms of a submitted heart in your own heart and in your own life? Jesus' example is incredible. He didn't retaliate. He's our ultimate example. Come on, give God a hand for who Jesus is and for the example that He sets. This makes me wanna be more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is working on you, sanctifying you, making you more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And when I think about all of this passage that we've shared, and and quite a lot of it is not an easy passage, and some aspects are a little easier and so on, but when I think of this, it makes me actually appreciate the Word of God. And I wrote this down, His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And the Bible says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Do you really wanna be a believer who obeys the word of God? Then we look at passages like this and we say, God, I receive your word. We say, God, thank you, I will obey. And thank you that my testimony will silence the accusers and bring glory to God. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise, amen.